A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. What a day of tennis at the Davis Cup finals. So good that Matt Roberts has ordered the uh, Kaya Magica to stay open for him. And he's even had a look at the hot drink machine to try to keep himself awake um, because it's that kind of day. Boundaries are being pushed. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's, it's had everything. Today has had everything. It has had joy. It has had despair. It has had drama. Oh, Agro, tears, everything. We're going to be hearing the press comments of the Serbian team a, a little bit later. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a hard listen. You know, emotionally, it is a hard listen when you compare it to what Matt brought of Novak Djokovic yesterday and how jovial and happy he sounded. And you hear him today and it's a very different story. But where, where to start? Where to start? Matt, you've just come from Spain setting up a semi-final against Great Britain. And earlier on, we had Russia saving three match points to beat Serbia. And they will now face Canada. That's the lineup tomorrow. Canada, Russia, GB against Spain. Tell us about that atmosphere that you've just come from. Oh, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Rafael Nadal... Once again, having to get Spain over the line and doing just that. Is that now his something like 28th Davis Cup win in a row? He's he's just an unstoppable force in this competition. And to see him winning a doubles match to kind of the contrast with Djokovic losing a doubles match earlier in the day on the same court, I can't imagine that that would have happened before. The big, you know, members of the big, three, four, playing doubles on the same court in the same day. Certainly, it would never have happened with kind of so much significance and so much on the line. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drained by it all, really, but absolutely buzzing at the same time. It's, a, it's an odd feeling what it does to you, this, uh, this competition. Um, but, you know, I was reminded of that great expression that Mary Carrillo uses. I think she used it to describe... Serena Williams, uh, but I think it applies to Nadal as well, the fact that he is his own weather system. He is just an absolute force out there um, and kind of will just take down anything in his, in his, in his path. Mm. When 
discussing, Catherine, when discussing the changes that have been made to make this a single-week competition, there are still many, many people, despite what we've seen today and the drama we've seen, there are still many people that are thinking, well, I want that kind of Spain home atmosphere at every time I go to. I don't want to be watching uh, Great Britain playing against another team that's not at home and, and, and the many empty seats that there were there today. Some people I know feel that because we've been sponsored by the Davis Cup finals in the run-up to this event that it would compromise our view. I feel that that's not the case. We've been very, very clear that there's a lot wrong with what's gone on this week. But today there was so much right, certainly from afar, as a TV-watching experience. I think the sport that we saw today was one of the, the great days of tennis viewing that I can remember in a long, certainly a long time. Yeah, I would share that view. Um, I've I've had FOMO today. I've had envy of Matt that he's been there experiencing it all. Even, I would have given up my nap today to have been in Madrid <laughs> experiencing it all firsthand. Um, and it was, it was an epic day in a way that none of the other epic days we've had in this year's tennis calendar have have been. Um, it was it was epic in uniquely Davis Cuppy ways, you know. When debating at length all the things that were potentially going to be lost or compromised by the changes to the format, um, they're all the sort of unique Davis Cup things, like you know, best of five and the significance of the doubles and home and away ties and all of that. Well, I know you've had a, a, a just a bit of an exchange just now because you can't help yourself at in the wee hours of the morning, David, with Todd Woodbridge on, on Twitter, you know, he, he, as a lot of Australians are, is a, um, not a fan of the changes to the format at all. And he was sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, of course, Spain, Argentina had a great atmosphere because it's essentially a home tie for Spain. Well, yeah, I mean, the Davis Cup finals is always going to be somewhere and that somewhere that it is, is going to enjoy the best atmospheres for the for the for the team from that country so i mean yes i suppose that is a point i don't see that it is a particularly significant point i loved the the prominence of the doubles today one of my issues sort of when i the um when the nuances of the format were sort of making themselves clear at the start of the week i was thinking oh it's a shame that the the doubles is the final of the three matches that's played because it means sometimes you will e- either, as we're seeing lastly, miss out on the doubles being played at all or the doubles isn't necessarily always as significant. Um, whereas today, the, sign- the, the significance of the doubles, I mean, I was as much as with my GB biased hat on, I was delighted to see Dan Evans win and delighted to see GB win there was a big part of me that was gutted that that didn't go down to a thrilling <laughs> a thrilling doubles match because this the doubles has been where it's at today and I've I mean that Serbia Russia doubles match was just a a glorious thing and a thing that we wouldn't get elsewhere I, I watched um I watched that tie break back again about half an hour ago um and it's still just as good it's it, <laughs> watching it first time round 
the emotions we were all going through, exchanging messages. I mean, it was like, I felt like I was holding my breath throughout that tie break. It was one of the best tie breaks I've ever seen. And, and, and at least that's how it felt to me. Now, I know it had just happened. So I, I, I'm aware that in two years' time, I may have forgotten all about it. But that's how it made me feel. Three match points to Serbia, on which Novak Djokovic was one of the team members, and yet they didn't win. And poor old Viktor Trojicki just, just really going to pieces at, at those moments. Before we talk about it, let them talk about it. It really does sum it up. Novak Djokovic, Viktor Trojicki, Captain Nenad Zimunic, and the departing, retiring Janko Tipsarevic. Of course, it hurts. It hurts us really badly, me personally as well. Um, there's not much to say. You know, these kind of matches um, happen once in maybe forever. And um, that's it. I mean, it's the season is done and we're turning the next page. Next morning is going to be different. I probably feel the worst ever. Uh, I never experienced such a moment in my career and my life. And um, I let my team down and I apologize to them. Uh, I had pretty... Huh, we were up in the tiebreak. We had chances to finish it. We didn't do it. I messed up in, in the crucial moments. Um, I don't know. God gave me once to to be the hero, maybe to win the Davis Cup in the deciding rubber. Now he took it away. Um, I'm really disappointed in myself. Really, yeah. As Novak said, it was a lot of emotions. Really tough match. At the end, it was point one point decided, and I'm really, I'm really disappointed in myself that I couldn't hold my focus till the end and finish four players sitting here and together with Philip and, and uh, Duzzi that's the I would say the our golden generation and it's all of our tennis and I see it as, a, as an end because Janko's last match but He's obviously going to be here with us all the way and uh, not just for this tie and in the future we're really good friends and you know your dream maybe to go all the way to celebrate you know with a victory but sometimes it doesn't happen you know what what you want it to happen but the main thing is that everybody knows here how much we care about each other, how much we love each other, and this is what uh, got us here. I'll be very short. I remember yesterday after that was one of your colleagues asked me, what is the one thing that you can pull out from all these 20 years? And what did I say? The one thing is not the victories or the losses, what Novak said, is that this beautiful sport makes you fucking tough. This emotion that you want to commit suicide after a day like this and you go towards and against the wind. These emotions is the one thing that I can draw from all these 20 years that I was playing for the country and individual competition. So uh, a few of the guys apologized to me. I don't accept these apologies because none of them let me down all over these 20 years.
I disagree with you, Victor, that God took away this from you. You will never have this emotion that you had because you brought us this last point. As for the team, everybody knows that they're like my brothers and uh, I will be with the team in one or the other capacity and I would like to thank them all for being with me on this journey. That was a hard listen, wasn't it? I mean, a beautiful listen in many ways because I love to see them lay their emotions raw and bare for us all to see in the immediate aftermath. You know, that was completely unsanitized. There was no spin on that at all. That was just from the heart. And and it tells you how much it means. Matt, you were in the room. What was it like to be in the room? Very, very emotional. Uh, it, it didn't actually start off that way, the press conference. It started off a little bit edgy, a little bit tense, as though questions were going to kind of get batted back and get short answers. But then it just developed into this tear fest, really. I mean, sort of as soon as one went, they all went. And they were kind of voluntarily opening opening their hearts to to everyone in that room and it was it was really powerful um i think there's quite a lot to unpack in terms of why they ended up getting so emotional um i was speaking to some of the some of the press covering serbia and i said look what is it about tip zarovic that gets people so emotional because that was the moment when uh, when nana zimanic started talking about this being tip zarovic's last match ever um that he kind of choked up and couldn't get his words out and what Zimanic said about it being kind of the end of a golden generation of Serbian tennis is absolutely true because Tip Zarovic was the first Serbian to put tennis on the map really for them because he was such a good promising junior you know when he was under 14 under 12 everyone knew about Tips Arovic, they were saying, and he was the one who then, along with Djokovic, Zimanich, and on the women's side, Ivanovic and Jankovic, started this in really incredible period. If you think about it, a country of about six million people to have so many top players, you know, might might never happen again. And for Tips Arovic to be the one to go now, it does feel for them like a like a considerable end of an era and you know they they were they were really choked up about it and it really hit me today just how much they wanted to win this for him i I hadn't hugely got that sense before because they weren't actually talking that much about winning it it was it was more about kind of the format and how Djokovic was feeling but today it really hit me how much they wanted it for Tipsarovic in particular he's quite a Quite a character, isn't he? And and anybody who hasn't heard the interview we did with him back, I think in about April, we did a I think an hour and twenty minute interview with Janka Tivzarovic. He's he is a compelling character, and he didn't he hadn't told us at that point that he was retiring. But yeah, this has been rumbling on for a while. That everybody knew this was his last tie, his last tennis as a professional. Um, and yeah, I mean they've been training as a group, haven't they? In the in in little off weeks trying to prepare themselves and Catherine 
I mean, Victor Troitsky, I don't know how he's going to sleep tonight because, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's the one who gave them the decisive point, I think, back in 2010. But he had regulation, certainly one regulation volley on his racket to win that tie for Serbia. And he couldn't do it. He, he, he just, he blew it. And, and in the heat of the moment on the court, Novak Djokovic just turned his back on him, couldn't look at him. I found that, you know, I'm sure everything was fine when they left the court, but, um, and, and it was just such a natural reaction. <laughs> it's such a human reaction. Um, he, he just, I think perhaps he didn't, didn't want to show him his reaction and the only way he could prevent himself from showing just how disgusted and gutted he was, was by turning his back on him. Um, Oh, it, it put a lump in my throat hearing Matt just now talk about it, put a lump in my throat hearing that press conference, put a lump in my throat. Um, but the, the tennis was just extraordinary seeing I think Djokovic was hitting the ball harder in that doubles than I usually see him hit the ball in singles. I don't know if it's something about the having the the bigger court in play, that sort of extra margin for error and just sort of swinging so freely. Seeing those forehand-to-forehand rallies with Andrei Rublev and his ninja-like whiplash shots, it was just... Brutal hitting, absolutely bruising hitting. They were standing toe to toe, weren't they? And yeah. actually, do you know, I would say it's, I personally think it's the opposite. I think it is having a narrow target where you know you only want to go cross court. Like if they, if these players are so good that if they just do a cross court drill, they can keep it going forever and they can hit it flat out and still middle it because they know where it's going. And I think that that's, they, they were of the mindset, well, we're not going to go to the bloke at the net. We're going to go, to the side of him and therefore just hit full on in that corner. It it was doubles for by non-doubles players, wasn't it? I know that yes. uh, Rublev and Hatchinov uh, were finalists in in Paris and obviously obviously Djokovic can play 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 doubles in the way that any great singles player can, but it felt like singles players having a go at doubles, which was great fun. It was a it was the sort of tennis equivalent of an arms race or a kind of race to the moon. It was like Rublev would try and hit the ball as hard as he could and then Djokovic would think, no, I can hit it harder and then Rublev would, would counter and you just get, got these incredible exchanges. I mean, I have, I've never related to someone on a tennis court as much as I did Viktor Troitsky in that tie break because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of school tennis that I used to play was doubles and I used to play with a, with a partner who was much better than me and I always felt under such pressure to kind of deliver and not let him down, not mess it up for the, for the team. And I kind of got that sense with Troitsky that, you know, they were, they were targeting him at the net and he was missing these volleys and you could just see him thinking, oh, oh I'm, I'm messing this up. And that is such a it difficult even worse emotion. when you're on the when you're on the court with you know the the world number two and you're so I mean doesn't matter how well you play you are going to be the weak. Yeah, that, like, that moment when they targeted him and they smashed about three or four ground strokes at him and he fended them all off, won the mm. point, and Djokovic just exploded with emotion because his mate had 
survive this onslaught. And and I, I a little bit of me was thinking, oh, I really hope they end up winning so mm. that Troichki gets mm. gets through this. Um, but at the same time, it's very easy to concentrate just on on the Serbian team because of that the strength of that press conference. But what an achievement that is from Hachinov and Rublev. That is an immense achievement. Yeah, they are they're pretty much a two man team here at the Davis Cup, obviously with Daniil Medvedev pulling out before. Evgeny Donskoy is here and kind of perhaps ready to go if they need him, but it's very difficult to see them breaking I think they up. They hope he's not ready to go, Matt. Yes. Um and actually, they were saying in the in the press conference that essentially what they have, Hachinov and Rublev, is a tremendous friendship. That they they feel like they can handle anything on the court because they kind of trust each other and get on with each other. And they're not worried about letting each other down. Maybe perhaps in a way that Troitsky was with Djokovic, that that, that isn't there with Hachinov and Rublev. Aren't, aren't they... Only about two years, maybe even less than two years apart in age, but Hatchinov looks like Rublev's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like his mate's dad because they don't actually look alike at all. But he looks like he's sort of or or, or much older brother, the sort of brother that kind of says to his little brother, "Can you just walk on ahead because you're really embarrassing me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with your backwards baseball cap. Although Hatchinov wears a backwards baseball cap, doesn't he? Um, yeah, and now, now I look back on um, their run in Paris and their decision to play together um, in Paris in conditions very similar to, to those um, of the Kaya Magico. It's like a real um, masterstroke, obviously part of a, a, a master plan leading towards the Davis, Davis Cup. I think we... Um, we covered their semi-finals and and the final um, in Paris. They lost out to Herbert Mayu, Rublev Hachinov. But and I think we sort of referenced the Davis Cup once or twice as like you know oh, it was obviously good news for the Russian Davis Cup team that these two are playing so well. But I hadn't quite thought of it in terms of it was really ruthlessly strategic. Um, and maybe it wasn't all that. I mean, they obviously are great mates and enjoy playing together. But it's suddenly looking like a uh, a real stroke of genius, those two forming that partnership and getting into a groove early. Mm. Because they are singles players and they play doubles in a like singles players and yet they do have a connection, a, a partnership on the court. Yeah, I think uh, for the second time in this podcast, I think I'm going to mention Todd Woodbridge. I think he's talked about doubles players in the past, almost you could tie a rope around them and, and they... You know, you would constantly be about 10, 15 feet apart, never, never more than that. And they do move in harmony. Whereas I think Djokovic as a doubles player is such an interesting, riveting case because it, it negates all of his strengths, really, about the way he can kind of spread the court and shrink his court. And also the way he... Uh, can kind of beat opponents by being mentally stronger, tougher, taking it into the trenches. You can't really do any of that. And then the doubles kind of becomes a singular pursuit for him rather than acting in harmony with his partner. It's really interesting to watch. Um, I was looking looking back at some of the quotes that Radek Stepanek gave um, in the 2013 Davis Cup final when it was Czech Republic-Serbia. And he was describing the Serbian team and he was saying Djokovic is their Ferrari and they constantly have this dilemma of whether or not to use 
to leave the Ferrari in the garage for the doubles because they know he's the they know he's the best car, the best player, but he's not necessarily the best player or car for 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 doubles. If you like to continue the car analogy for that track necessarily, perhaps doubles has got more corners. It's not a it's not a kind of straight. It doesn't suit Djokovic necessarily, and yet you absolutely can't leave him off and as much as he was uncomfortable out there there's no way they would have got as close to winning that doubles without him on the court he he, he was elevating their level it's just he didn't quite have it in the connection department that Hatchinov and Rublev had which I think they've forged over these over these months he's the 2008 Queen's doubles champion Novak Djokovic <laughs> can anyone name his partner Jonathan Ehrlich. Oh, he's beaten me. There you go. Can't believe it. And by the way, if you've got a Ferrari, if you're going to own a Ferrari, you better <laughs> bloody use it. Otherwise, what's the point? Do you exactly. When, yeah. Do you remember when Andy the Murray had one? The audacity of leaving a Ferrari in the garage. Andy Murray had one for six months, and he said, "He said I, I, I went. He said he uh, every, felt a prat. I felt a prat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got rid of it. Uh, talking about yeah, Andy relatable Murray. Relatable content. Um, I've just had a, a brain flash that may or may not be accurate. Didn't Evgeny Donskoy once beat Roger Federer? Yes. There we in, go. In uh, Dubai 2017. Start Did... shining your hubcaps, Evgeny. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I, don't know whether they've, I don't know whether they've played since or whether he still has a winning record over him. We must find out. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We were talking about Andy Murray. I can't quite remember how. Um, and he didn't play today. What was going on? Well, he. It was more of a surprise, I think, today that he didn't play. Um, and yet, it really. The fact that he didn't completely made it clear that he is not physically ready for this week. He sounded like he'd got a cold the other night to me. He sounded like he was really under the weather. When we when yeah. we played that audio, yeah, I, but, I but, get but, the impression that the this this weight gain thing is really in his head. It's it's uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, he can't uh, not be playing because he's packed on a few pounds. Sure, because he's put on four kilos. I mean, he could do two gym sessions and lose four <laughs> kilos. Do you know what I mean like if he'd if he'd played the last two days, he'd probably have lost it by now, like. I never it, lose four I'm not, kilos I'm when not I do saying two it's not, gym sessions. Do a poo and lose a kilo. <laughs> <laughs> a kilo? What do you mean not a kilo? He's, he's not a horse. I really don't know where to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks, I don't quite know how we're going to carry on. <laughs> I get the impression I'm just going to move on really quickly I'm just going to move on I mean not quickly but (laughs) I get the impression I'm going to get texts from my family saying I've lowered the tone of our broadcasting in the morning great Um, deep breaths folks deep breaths um I get the impression he is saying to Leon Smith, count me out. I'm not up to this. I've weighed myself this morning. I haven't, sh- <laughs> haven't shut the Don't pounds. go there. <laughs> but don't you think that's the impression I get from, from listening to what Leon had to say? And I, I think if Andy Murray s- says, 
hands up, I'm fit to play, he plays. End of story. And and that has been the case for a long time. Um, and I, I think I think there has to be something else at, at play, like a cold or something. But but then but then on the other hand, I think Andy Murray's not going to be put off by a cold. Thing is, though, if he, Come I mean, let, if he, he sounded pretty ropey to me the other night when we were listening to that, that audio, and then he, I was looking at him on the court and how tired he was, and when you've got a really bad cold or a bit of. I don't know, maybe even a bit of flu or something like that. You imagine trying to push yourself through a match like that. I don't, I just, I don't know. I, and listen, incidentally, I said that Evans should be dropped last night. Um, I think we all did, didn't we? Dan mm. Evans produced. How brave was that tonight? If you consider he got himself into exactly the same position for the third day in a row of being a setup, heart of the second set. And then the other guy starts just redlining it and producing, and he still won the match in a third set tiebreak. And I mean, the celebration told you everything. The, the sheer release—I've—I've I've never seen him celebrate anything like that. I've never—I I mean, that was—that was something only Davis Cup or a team event for your nation. I, that I—I I think only that sort of environment would get that reaction from him. Yeah, the only—the only thing I've seen similar is. Um when he won his first round at the Australian Open this year, his first match, his first Grand Slam match back, that would have been after after right. qualifying, after the ban. And um, it, was one, it was when it had been sort of about 400 degrees and Matt and I had sat and watched some of it, I think. Well, certainly I had sat and watched some of it. I might have hallucinated Matt being there <laughs> due to my dehydrated, sweaty state. Um, and he was he had tears in his eyes then. Um, and was a bit choked up on the court, but it was he was choked up at the same. It, it was prompted by the same emotion, this feeling of this overwhelming feeling of the support he's had, the the support he's had that he perhaps doesn't that he feels a bit. I think humbled by actually. I think there's a part of him that feels undeserving of it. Um, that was nice, hum- wasn't it? The way the way he referenced how how they'd supported him, having mm. had two really tough defeats the last two days, it shows you what this thing is all about, really. And we saw that in the Serbia press conference there, and it's it is quite heartwarming actually when you see these team competitions brought together and what they what they do to these players. Um, and and I think people were worried that that might be lost with the change of format, but. You know, if if Gerard Piquet needs to stand up and give some kind of presentation justifying the the change, he should start with the replays of today, really, because yes, there are aspects he absolutely, well, he and everyone who is involved with the organisation need to address, but the the feel of the tournament is is right on a on a day like this from the from the Serbia press conference losing should hurt and it did and winning should be amazing and it was and you had those those emotions were all there today and yeah Dan Evans he's such a he's such an underrated competitor i think because because his tennis is kind of um you know it's brush strokes isn't it it's not it's not you know, heavy punches, yet he really digs in when he has to. And you could see, you could see how much he was determined not to just... 
be involved in some kind of treacherous drown- groundhog day where he's playing and losing the same tennis match three days in a row. I think, I think the fact that he actually got himself in the same position again just kind of focused his mind even more. I, I you know, flat out refusal to let that happen. And, and his third set tiebreak under the biggest pressure, he did not miss a ball. It was, it was so impressive. Mm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, Talking of things that they have to work on one of them is the fact that britain appeared to have have a lot fewer supporters in the crowd today than they did in the previous two rounds which is has got to be addressed hasn't it and actually british tennis andy murray and the lta have taken matters into their own hands andy murray's put on a, a social media post saying that anybody who wants to come from britain to watch this semi-final tomorrow we're going to try and sort out some tickets now i i've spoken to the lta tonight and they have just gone for it and tried to find as many tickets as they possibly can have negotiated and they've managed to get a load of tickets together which they are going to give free to anybody who well first come first serve basically i think from 11 o'clock tomorrow morning that's super cool i really like Mm. that i mean obviously there's still the the fact that you've got to get yourself to madrid but that's that's it's like uh, it's like when um do you remember that story back in the day, in the early days of Facebook, when somebody naively put a party invitation <laughs> openly on Facebook and the whole house ended up just falling apart at the seams and the police were called and it was it all got horrendously out of hand? It's also a bit like when that, that tennis podcast offered a marriage proposal <laughs> out into the open air. Yes, this has not been readdressed. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days ago that was. We've had a reply. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I am betrothed. This is my engagement announcement. I've accidentally got myself engaged. Yeah, to somebody who's who's has, to be fair, put the greatest definition of on the boat, better than anything that we came up with, and stuck it on Urban Dictionary. Identity still TBC. I could be getting catfished. Could be, could be. But anyway, to, to be continued, folks. Um, the other match today was Spain. It's been an eventful podcast for me. Been good, isn't it? Uh, it's been the other one was Spain, and that even that was tense. Nadal having to win his singles to put them back on level terms after a an aging first rubber w- between was it Karina Buster? Yeah, and Guido and Guido Pella Pella Yeah, and he won, and then Nadal leveled, and then the doubles. And that went one set all, Argentina coming back at them. And then the noise in that third set, oh, I mean, even through the TV, it was just making me shudder. Incredible noise. Um, it, it goes right through you in just in when it's like that. And I think one of my takeaways from this tournament, seeing all the different nations together, is you do get a sense of the kind of personality and... Um, trademark if you like of the of of the fans of each team you know the kazakhs have got their band with the kind of humorous trombone and the the brit traveling supports quite elderly i would say and <laughs> and um <laughs> reasonably polite uh, and then there's obviously the the sterling barmy army which which give it quite a lot of life uh and then the sort of all the hispanic support is just con- continued chanting you know and kind of waving flags around in the air and just the sort of the constant drum and hum of it is is very unique i think to the hispanic nations uh, so it that's been quite a fun part of being here and having all these different uh, fans together which we've not really had before um hmm. and yeah i agree with what catherine was saying earlier i'm 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 as the week's gone on i've decided that i'm happy to accept the trade-off with the doubles that sometimes it won't be played or won't be significant and yet other times it will be the most significant match and we've again we've not really had that before okay it sometimes has decided rubbers but it's only decided rubbers when it's already been two nil and the likelihood is it's not going to be that significant there haven't been that many comebacks from two nil down in davis cup have been some but not as you know it's never been as decisive as one all it's all on the doubles um and i and i really do think that that is a plus point yeah, yeah i a, love that that's one of got my favorite things from the week plenty to work with certainly uh, based on today so it leaves us with a semi-final lineup tomorrow of canada against russia early on and then the evening one from 4:30 uk i think it is is uh, gb against spain what do we think folks what do we think? Nadal looks unbeatable to me, really. Well, Canada Russia is an interesting, wasn't it? One, isn't it? Because they're both both teams are really depleted. Mm, they're both teams of two, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although Frank Dankovic did say that Felix Auger-Aliassime was ready to go in the previous match, um, but they but they stuck with Pospisil and Shapovalov, and I, I I think they will stick with that again. To be honest, it's worked so well. Why would they change? Felix hasn't played for a long time. He's going to be rusty. I I really can't see them no. making a change. I think it's going to the doubles as well. That one. I think I'd probably go. You think you, you think Shapovalov is going to win his singles? Yeah. Well, I th- I think one of them will. So it'll be Shapovalov, Hatchinov, and yeah. Rublev. 
Pospisil. I, I could make a case for either one of them in the singles, but I think it will be one apiece, and I think that Russia will win. Agreed, actually. Yeah. Yes, I th- uh, yes, I agreed. It's going to be very interesting, and I think and I, Spain... I just want it all to go down to the doubles, always. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I, I, think, I think Britain's selection is very interesting tomorrow because of Nadal, obviously. You know, Leon Smith will probably be thinking... You know, we can we can try and win every match, but equally, I think at the back of your mind, you've got to be thinking we have to win the number two singles, and then we get a free hit in the dial and we take it to the doubles. Now, the most likely player at the moment, I think, to win the number two singles is Carl Edmund. He looks awesome, so doesn't he? He he Straight looks really good. Straight to win again today. There are no question marks over him, as, and there are over Andy Murray. So I think I think he'll stick with the same team, and it will be Kyle Edmund and Dan Evans. And then, if it is one all, he basically said he he hasn't really thought about breaking up Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski. But if it if it did get there, it might be in the back of his mind to to bring Andy in. Um, but I'm, again, I'm I'm not sure whether he will. I I'm becoming increasingly convinced that we might not see Andy Murray again this this yeah. tournament yeah no it's a fair point sit on the sidelines eating biscuits <laughs> <laughs> he's a good support team he, my goodness I, I don't know I don't know how Dan Evans was feeling after that bear hug that yes. was a proper <laughs> muscular bear hug oh it's emotion two, two yeah. final points folks um we oh, by the way Roger Federer's exhibition in Colombia this evening with uh, Alexander Zverev has been cancelled because of a massive protest in Bogota, and they had yeah, to, there's a curfew. They had to address the crowd on the court. It was must have been quite a tricky situation. Um, but anyway, I hope everybody gets out of there okay. Um, but I also think, you know, I wonder, I wonder whether they're really aware of what's going on in the Davis Cup over there. You know, you can, I mean, you can live in a bubble, can't you? And obviously Zverev should have been on this German team today. I really hope that Federer's got an eye on it. I really yeah, do. So do I. I mean, today, I, he would have been so pumped if he'd have seen that today. Anybody would. Mm. Anybody who loves sport would have been stirred mm. up by today. Uh, it was. There's no way you couldn't be. And, and and there is such a sense of competition and a and a tournament about this about this new format. I think that that's been one of the problems with the old format of the Davis Cup that you win a tie and then it's three months until your next tie. Whereas here, you're able to build momentum, like you know, like we see in cricket and football and rugby, you know, which have World Cups. And you then you're thinking, oh, next game's tomorrow. What's the atmosphere going to be like? Who's going to be playing? And you're just able to build a much better sense of a tournament than you did before. Now, again, every 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 plus point has to kind of come with the with the caveat of yes, there is something that needs to change. And the main thing about this is the scheduling because you know it really has. Some teams have had it easier than others. Spain and Canada have had quite favourable scheduling. Britain have had really quite rough scheduling, having to play so many days in a row. That maybe isn't isn't fair and needs to be looked at. But in terms of the overall uh, sense and feel, it just it just is magnified under this under this new format. I think. Mm, yeah. Uh, incidentally, on the format, I had one tweet today that really made me think, what a great idea, from Maggie Gorman, who said, can I ask, why do we need to have each team competition every year? 
Could we not alternate Davis Cup and Labour Cup? After all, the Ryder Cup's every two years and football and rugby World Cup's every four years. Loving your daily pods, by the way. Thanks, Maggie. But just you know, imagine that. If you just said, okay, well, we'll have Davis Cup every two years and, and then the other years in between, we'll have the Labour Cup. Sure. Great idea. And then they could share the date. Cooperation and compromise. Get in the room. Like all the good solutions that aren't currently happening. Work it out. <laughs> share the date in late September and, you know... Every other year, you can have your your big show. Be great. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down with that. I think I still think the ideal solution is to have Davis Fed Cup, perhaps even a combined event every year. I th- I, th- I do think this event, when done right, can be as strong and as powerful as a slam. So. Why would you kind of not want to every year? But I think I definitely think if we're really struggling to fit all these events in, and if they're all good enough, then yeah, some some compromise. Maybe having Labour Cup every other year would be would be a way of doing it. Um, I mean, the thing about Labour Cup is it is only three days. You should be able to find a space in the calendar. I think some people have started mentioning this kind of post post July post Wimbledon period. That that kind of bit of a lull you get in in July seems seems an odd one in the calendar um you know no one's really put gone and put anything in there obviously there are tournaments but there are also tournaments in september that would clash with labor what does do clash with labor cup and would clash with this Mm. yeah i mean it's an ongoing ongoing debate i don't have the solutions no but anyway there's plenty to work with i mean then I, I, I've had a few notes from from the United States. I think they are one of the nations that is struggling to follow this on TV, for instance. You know, we've got it good here. Eurosport are giving round-the-clock coverage in good hours for us, and, and you know, we're getting a, a really good service, But and it's easy to find, but it's not the, not the case in America at the moment, it seems. I think they're on Fox Sports, but... Um, Good hours, he says, recording the podcast. <laughs> yeah. nine, nine minutes past one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's for me. It's nine minutes past two for Matt. Um, and a final point. Uh, we've had a note from Tim Lee. You may remember Tim was our New Zealand listener who won the Davis Cup Finals competition to get an all-expense-paid trip to see Great Britain play. He's British. He's living in New Zealand, and he was going to fly over. and it, And then his visa uh, didn't work out for him, so he wasn't able to go. Well, he's he sent us a picture of himself trekking around the countryside in New Zealand in his tennis podcast T-shirt, which we sent to him a few weeks ago. Um, and we're going to bring him to the Queens Club and give him a day out with some, with whoever he wants to bring to have a, a nice day at Queens. Um, so yeah, Tim. Hello, Tim. Um, hope. You are enjoying the Davis Cup and our daily podcasts, and we'll have two more days of them. Are you ready for that, Matt? Have you got it in you? Yes, Excellent. confidently. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a lion this morning. Oh yeah, yeah. All the way to well, time wise, it was it was you know it was about ten, 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 ten thirty. But I hadn't actually gone to sleep until three, three thirty. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it was it was a nice it was a nice lion. Splendid. So I'm I am feeling rejuvenated. Good work. Does that mean your approval, Catherine? Is is ten acceptable? Well, it's all you've got to backdate it. Yeah, it's oh. all about hitting eight hours, isn't it? So the numbers there don't quite add up. I suspect I'll be sleeping for the rest of my life if I have to backdate mine. <laughs> anyway. 
Uh, Catherine, Matt, uh, lovely to have you with us. Have I forgotten anything else? Don't think so. Can we go to bed now? We can go to bed. Yes. Excellent. And Matt's nodding. In fact, Matt's packing up and he's on his way because they're about to lock him in again uh, in the magic box. Um, we have been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. Two more days of the Davis Cup finals to come here on the, da- on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks for your company. Hope you're enjoying the shows. We'll see you tomorrow. 